my dear brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. I welcome you to this week's edition of the St. Jude Parish Chatter. We're now on the fourth Sunday of Lent, if you can believe that already. I'm here with Tyler. Hi, Tyler. Hi, Father. It's good to be back this week with you. I'm glad to be to be back with you, too. You've been out for, uh, well, I guess, just one week. But, yeah, you were sick for a little bit. So yeah, I, I got feeling sick. Better. I am feeling much better now. My family, I guess I still got a bit of a cough and everything with mm, it. But all right. feeling better. I'm doing good. So if you have to cough into the microphone, we'll all understand and forgive you right readily. (laughs) Make me cough right there, exactly. As if on cue. Very good, Tyler. So tell us about the surveys you've done recently. What have you done? I, you know, I've, I've been racking my brain trying to come up with some good Lenten surveys for us. And so my one of my favorite ones I've done was at the very beginning of Lent, uh, and I asked people what their favorite meal to have is on Fridays during Lent. You know, we we, we definitely abstain from from um, from meat on Fridays during Lent. Um, and so, what do people have as a mm-hmm. replacement if they're not going to have you know that burger they might want or something? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do they have? And so I gave them a handful of options, including an other option, so they can just re- re- reply with what they, they might normally have. And um, the first option was uh, some sort of fish fry, fish and chips. Mm-hmm. Um, I put salmon on there, another type of fish, macaroni and cheese, uh, grilled cheese and tomato soup, salad, and other. Hmm. So my number one didn't come up as an option. My oh. number one would have been tuna casserole. Oh, that, yeah. And the reason tuna casserole came up, it was... I was influenced by some brother priests who went out for a um, to a rectory for dinner, and it was just a simple tuna casserole. And the comment was, "This is what our people have for for Lenten uh, Friday dinners." And it just kind of made an impression on my mind. It was like, "Yeah, tuna casserole is just kind of normal for everybody to have on a on a Friday." So I can can I take other? Did other come in number one? Uh, it did not. There was oh. only five votes for that, and some of the people that responded they said bean and cheese burrito, cream eggs on toast, hmm. um, noodles and white beans. Um, you know, I'm glad I, nobody said steak and bacon as <laughs> their other. <laughs> I had I had tuna noodle casserole a lot growing up on Fridays, mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. would have come in uh, as one of my favorites. So what was number one in the survey? Number one was a, a fish fry, you know, fish and chips mm. and everything. Followed closely by salmon. So people are just going after some sort of fish. Yeah. Um, you know, our Knights of Columbus are getting away from the expression fish fry. They don't want to say that we have a fish fry around here because fry sounds not healthy. So they call it a fish bake. And if you have a fish bake, then it's healthier and, and more people show up and we're taking better care of ourselves. Good stewards of the body I right. think, is what I think they're trying to say. My real vote, though, is for grill, uh, grilled cheese and tomato soup. Uh, yeah. that, that, that's a favorite of mine, at least. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. always look for There was one year I, I gave up bread during Lent, and oh. so I couldn't have grilled cheese and tomato soup, and oh. that that was hard. Yeah, that's a that's an intense type of a fast. Our people just got done with a big fast yesterday. It was St. Patrick's Day yesterday, and <laughs> there they were giving up their corned beef and cabbage. God bless all of our good and holy people who are willing to go through all of that. It led to quite a discussion with my brother priests about what legitimate dissent is on the obligation to receive, to abstain from meat on Fridays. And it's not as easy as some people think that it is to just say, I, I don't want to have any anything to do with it. I'm going to eat my, my corned beef and cabbage if I want to. You actually have to study why the church teaches what she does. And mm. I told people to read St. Ignatius of Antioch's testimony of himself giving himself up to um, the lions, to be eaten by the, the lions. And when you read his testimony, it just fills us all with fervor. But the sacrifices he was willing to make for his faith is just 
inspiring to everybody. And when you put that in comparison with giving up Friday, uh, Lenten Fridays, and not having any meat on those Fridays, it seems like such a small sacrifice Absolutely. compared to what the others have done. So that's where I send people to in order to have legitimate dissent. <laughs> and nobody's come back and saying, oh, I have definitely decided I could, I could eat as much corned beef and cabbage as I want, Father. I've got no problem with it. Yeah, I, uh, I, you know, I like celebrating St. Patrick's and um, my... Uh, my my wife's family they have her her grandma's birthday was on St Patrick's Day so they always celebrated it but mm. you know you can you can wait to have the the corned beef and cabbage one more day right sure the, even the bishops taught that the bishops that did give permission to their people to have corned beef and cabbage had some very strict rules yeah. about what they had to do you're right I, I actually read one from uh, bishop a uh, bishop out in Indiana he he had said that you know if you are going to you're, you're I'll permit you to have it but if you do have meat on that St Patrick's Day you have to do uh, one of the the following things: you have to go to mass, you have to pray the rosary for the intentions of peace of the world, do a half hour of prayer in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. Like those were your options if you chose to have meat. Still, wow. yeah. I'm like that's great because if if you're really celebrating, you're celebrating the feast of the saint. So mm. celebrate it by doing as he's doing and, and worshiping God, mm-hmm. and make a sacrifice along the way. You still Absolutely. have to make a sacrifice and a prayerful one, right? As you go forward, you Absolutely. Can't just excuse yourself from the cross. Because it's an inconvenient uh, thing at that moment. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, speaking of food, um, mm-hmm. this week's sponsor for for our podcast is is uh, next Sunday's um, uh, family breakfast that's put on by the Knights of the Columbus. Thank you, Knights um, of Columbus. So it'll be on March twenty sixth after all the masses. It's eight dollars per person. You just head down to the the community center. Which, center any more eight dollars for a quality breakfast? Yeah, like that absolutely. sounds cheap, and you don't even have to leave a tip for the Knights of Columbus to be able to pick up your table. So thank you, Knights of Columbus, and do consider coming to be at the breakfast on the twenty sixth. That's a week from tomorrow. Right. As this is as this is released. Yep. Wonderful. Well, uh, as we enter into this week's podcast, Father, would you want to read us the gospel? Yes, please hear the gospel for Sunday. <coughs> The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. He spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva and smeared the clay on his eyes and said to him, Go wash in the the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back able to see. His neighbors and those who had seen him earlier as a beggar said, Isn't this the one who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is. But others said, No, he just looks like him. He said, I am. They brought the one who was once blind to the Pharisees. Now Jesus had made the clay and opened his eyes on a Sabbath. So then the Pharisees also asked him how he was able to see. He said to them, He put clay on my eyes and washed, and now I can see. So some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a sinful man do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man again, What do you have to say about him, since he opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. They answered and said to him, You were born totally in sin, and you are trying to teach us? Then they threw him out. When Jesus heard they had thrown him out, he found him and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered and said, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, 
and the one speaking with you is he. He said, I do believe, Lord, and he worshipped him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Tyler, I think of truth when I think of the man being able to see. Truth has this beautiful way of turning the lights on in our minds. And mm. When something is true, we see it as being true. And it's like when we're blind, somebody can describe things to us. They can say what the day is like, and we have some sense of it. But when we are healed of our blindness, we're able to see the truth. and We're able to get mm. past the, the blindness that is, that is within us. And... Um, I just think that within our society today, there's such like a voluntary blindness. This relativism that is so rampant yeah. within our society leads to a, a a blindness to objective truth. And it doesn't fill us with light. It doesn't give us a sense of orientation. We just have relativism. So relativism just means I have your my truth, you have your truth. Right. Everybody has a different truth, and it's all the same truth, and we can't <laughs> actually know what's out there. All you can know is your own thoughts. But that's not Catholic faith. The Catholic faith takes us deeper into an objective mm. truth. And the objective truth is gives us such light and fills us with joy, like this blind man who's able to say, I am, which is a, a beautiful scriptural reference to being a son of God, being a child mm. of God, being pulled into this divine life. And it, it changed his entire life. Now he's not begging anymore. And even the people didn't recognize him because he had changed so much. Yeah, it's this this idea of relativism. It 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 seems like a so simple thing as it first enters in, like oh, you know, it's just a little bit. We're we're letting someone believe their own idea for something, but then it, it ends up developing into everything in society mm-hmm. where we end up regretting it. I'm like oh, now people are are saying this when that's clearly not true. But you no, know, you've you've opened it up to say they can make whatever they believe is true, even if it, it hurts them and other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we have to always proclaim the truth. I want to share a little bit with everybody from um, one of my favorite professors, Dr. Richard Garrity. He was my teacher when I was in the seminary. And he wrote the book called The Right Way to Live. It's on Plato's Republic. And this is in his opening paragraph. And it just points out um, objectivity. So let me share Dr. Garrity's. Listen to the master. Dr. Garrity wrote, One of the great difficulties of the church today is that Modern culture seems to accept without any doubts or reservations a morality that is relativistic. Consequently, the culture takes as the normal state of affairs that there be a wide variety of views on such matters as abortion, contraception, divorce, premarital sex, adultery, homosexuality, euthanasia, and suicide. On matters of religious opinion, which usually involve views about morality, the culture also seems to show the same tolerance for diversity. The only time it seems to lose its cool, so to speak, is when the church proclaims itself as the one true church (laughs) and labels all those actions listed above as intrinsically evil, not only upon the basis of faith, but also upon the basis of reason. Then the culture, relativistic on every other issue, is absolutistic, on this one, namely that the church is wrong. Mm. Isn't that a f- phenomenal observation that Dr. Garrity makes? And he wrote this 30 years ago, and we've become like on steroids with our right. relativistic culture today. But he was right on that the only time the culture is sure about something is when somebody says there is an absolute truth. Mm. And then culture is absolutely sure that there's no absolute truth, right. which is, of course, a contradiction to relativity. If you're a relativist, <laughs> you can't have any uh, assurances. You, you know nothing. 
but they are suddenly sure when somebody makes a, an absolutist statement. And yet that is the statement of our Lord Jesus Christ throughout the mm. scriptures, not just today's gospel, as this man is able to see, but throughout the gospel, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, That's says right. our Lord Jesus of himself. So it's not just one way, one, uh, he's not a way, a truth, and a life amongst many others. Right. He's not many, uh, there aren't many paths up the same mountain. He is the mountain, and he is the path. We have to find our way to Je- the Lord Jesus Christ. He's he's not some you know. Some people say, "Oh, he's just you know a great great teacher, a great prophet." No, he didn't claim to be a, a prophet or a teacher. Um, he he claimed to be the Messiah, um, and so yeah. And with this one Messiah, our challenge is to give ourselves over to him to be able to be converted. And the church gives us this gospel in the middle of Lent because we're getting ready for for the Easter Vigil. And it's a time to be converted ourselves and for those who have gone through the RCA process to be converted and to be baptized. There is a, um, there is a, um, a whole sense of renewal and conversion that takes place at Easter time. Mm. And that's like the blindness being healed within us. And we're mm. able to see the truth coming out with such, such a, a spectacular... Uh, light that we're able right. to see the Lord Jesus Christ on the other side of it. I find even, you know, just during this Lenten season at times, like there's, uh, and I know my own Lenten journeys over the years, there's, there's ups and downs, but like God has used that time to, to, when I've been trying to make myself more open to him to, to reveal even more of himself to me and, mm-hmm. and to bring that truth even deeper into my own spiritual life, into my own daily life. And there's that beauty. We have this time to yeah. enter in, to allow that truth to become, more prevalent in our own lives. It makes our lives better, and we're mm, ready to, absolutely. to proclaim the gospel. But it doesn't necessarily make us more popular amongst no. others around us. So look at the way the Pharisees treated the man mm. who was then healed of his blindness. They were all confused among themselves. Is Jesus right. the Messiah? Is he not the Messiah? They have this big fight. And they're so desperate that they ask the man who was was blind. Yeah. Now, this guy was a beggar, so he has no status within society. And it would be unheard of for the Pharisees to consult this guy. And yet they do. They say, what do you have to say about it? And so the guy just says the truth. He is a prophet. And then they answered and said to him, you are totally in sin. And they threw him out. <laughs> well, well what do you, how do you like that? He answered your question. And then you say he's in sin. He's just, he's just happy he's, he's been able to see and can see yeah. the truth now. Yeah. He was, um, he was healed and he's able to profess it that this man is a prophet mm. and then he encounters the Lord Jesus and he says, I want to believe in the one that is mm. sent. Who is he? And Jesus says, it is I who am, spe- who am speaking to you. And he makes that beautiful proclamation of faith. I do believe, mm. Lord. And he worshiped him. And that's the call that we are invited to in the midst of this Lent and into the Easter season to be able to say, I do mm. believe, Lord, and worship him. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Well, thanks for uh, stepping um, and letting us uh, step into this week's gospel reading and to, uh, to dive deep in this long reading. Um, you read the shorter version. It is. So this you, is a short version. You, you'll hear a longer version probably tomorrow at Mass if you're listening to this ahead of time. <laughs> That's right. You'll wonder what happened. Well, we just, we're on a time crunch. We're doing a podcast today. So, yeah, definitely read the long version even if you don't hear it at Sunday Mass because it's, it's just so beautiful, it's these wonderful. images of the conversion of this blind man. Uh, As we go forth, would you give us your blessing, Father? The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless us, protect us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.